Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. It is an honor. And any time that you can have a high-performance coach on the Intentional Encourager podcast, it is a thrill for me. Because if anyone needs high performance, it's yours truly. If anyone needs to raise the bar on success for leaders and high achievers, it's me. If anyone needs to master time, achieve more, save time, master yourself. If I could speak correctly, that'd be great. But you know what? I've got someone here on the podcast that's going to help us do that. She is a professional and personal development coach, a best-selling co-author. My goodness, the talent just keeps getting better here with Annie Salvador joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Annie, how are you today? I, did I do a good enough job of adequately describing all the things that you're involved in? You did too good. I was thinking, I want to be that girl. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think we all want to be that person. I mean, my goodness, you have done, listen, you have done some amazing things and we will get into that more later in our conversation, but I want to start here. And I've been, as we record this podcast and these series of podcasts in the midst of, of COVID-19, we're all pushing a year, one year of doing such different abnormal things. What is the last year? for you been like and and what was that aha moment or maybe something that you didn't realize was happening that was happening you're like i didn't see that as an as a either a, a, a unintended benefit or unintended consequence of the pandemic well i think i'm a bit irregular because because i'm crazy i always homeschool so for me i've always been doing this homeschool work balance so for it hasn't created that much change in my actual life. If anything, in some ways, it made it a bit easier because everything was shut down, so I didn't have to run from A to B. But when it did influence me because when COVID hit, you know, that first week when we thought we were all going to die, and I was, like, contemplating death and reflecting upon, you know, my life, asking myself, well, have you really paid it forward enough? And I came to the conclusion, well, you know, I haven't, you know, Clearly, there's so much more I could do. I've been being a mom and having lots of fun, but you know, maybe I should do more. So I am grateful for COVID for that moment because it definitely gave me that extra push to streamline my focus. It made it bigger than myself, you know. Which well, I've got. And I was just jotting down some things. You're being. You're the first person that I've heard say, I'm grateful for the pandemic because it gave me an opportunity to reflect. Because most people were, and let's use another reword in that, you use the word reflect. Most people have been reactive. Most people have recoiled, if you will. You use that time to be reflective. When you reflected on those things, and you said, you know, when I contemplated it, I felt like I hadn't done enough. 
what was the one thing that you repurposed another reward? What was, what was something that you repurposed yourself to do more of or to do more intentionally? Um, well, it's been um, a few years of change. I just decided to like knuckle down more. So the way I see it is the way I can be most useful to the world with my toolbox is the reason I coach leaders and achievers is this. It's because of the way that it can trickle down. I think it trickles, trickles down way more than, than most leaders pay attention to. You know, you, everything you say, how you say it, how you deliver the message, all these things affect the person below and that affects the people around them. And then they take it home and it just goes on and on and on and on. So I, I feel like I've been, I've had this in my mind and then I realized, well, you know, what about all those people who aren't there and here? So this COVID has made me think about how can I more incorporate what my toolbox to be able to hit all levels rather than just triple from the top down. Whereas before I was very much tunneled on career, 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 career. Whereas now I'm like career and then forward so the reason that i do work with leaders and high achievers is so that they can go do something with it pay it forward and i always put that in there in the first call you know my objective is that you take what i give you and you run with it and then you go do something magnificent with it if we all do that then you know we're going to make the world a better place but then i realized that was also cutting out a lot of other people so i've really knuckled down and trying to put stuff together to close the gap Mm -hmm. No, I get it. I, and, and I love what you said about the first thing that I say to people that I'm going to work with is this. I love how you put that out on the table because sometimes we don't lead with the things we need to lead with. Right. We're just kind of going, well, it'll come up in conversation. And Annie, you are very intentional about going ahead and saying, hey, this is how I believe, and this is what I believe. And for us to work together, not only do I need to share my beliefs with you, not only do you need to share your beliefs with me, but I need to share my beliefs with you so that we can come together in alignment quicker and faster. Exactly. As, you, as you've worked with people during this time, what are some of the common things that they're responding back to you with, or maybe some challenges that they're responding back to you with? Because even high achievers, listen, this has been different for everyone from high achievers and leaders all the way down the trickle down effect. So what are you hearing from some of those people that you're coaching about how they're feeling or responding in the midst of this ongoing situation? I feel there's definitely immense pressure. Everyone has the uh, too many Zoom meeting complaints. Um, it seems to be this, this, the same undercurrent everywhere. I feel like everyone's a little bit stifled. You know, everyone needs more fresh air. Everyone needs a change of scenery. Everyone needs that interaction that Zoom just can't give. And, you know, most people, for some reason, when people book it in their calendar, they literally book on it back to back and back. They're not even giving themselves 15 minutes pause. If everyone could just agree <laughs> that yeah. we're going to make all meetings for 45 minutes instead of one hour, everyone could have 15 minutes to regroup, to put to bed the last meeting, and then 
you know, get the mind focused on the next meeting. And I don't think anyone's getting that. And I don't think it's very good. And also, because, every, you know, so many people are pivoting as well, mm-hmm. but then, you know, you have the leaders and high achievers who are then needing to encourage everyone else below them to, you know, pivot as well. And then they also have their own insecurities. Well, I, I might yeah. be the first to go. Doesn't, what if I don't learn this fast enough? So then they have all those challenges. You well, know, it you really said, has affected everyone. You know, Annie, you said something really good there. And I love what you said there. And, and it's and it's almost like it's almost like you've been reading my posts on LinkedIn because <laughs> I tell people, I say, encouraged people are empowered people. And, about that. Yeah, and 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 it's and it's and it feels to me, and and you're the perfect person that I want to ask this to. It feels to me as though encouragement, which should be taught in most leadership courses, and when we're training leaders and training high achievers, it almost is a throwaway. Like, well, that's just touchy feely, or that's just. You know, that's just, well, we, you know, we have to, we have to lead with, with facts and we have to lead with vision and we have to lead with purpose and we have to lead with this, we have to lead with that. And people not understanding the concept that I just mentioned that encouraged people are empowered people because what happens is, and I would love to get your take on this. The reason that I started doing a podcast and called it the Intentional Encourager Podcast was that I saw so much expertise out there, but not enough encouragement. And what happens is when a person is going through something difficult or they're going through a stressful situation, their mind blocks expertise. It can't really process or receive it because they're just looking at their situation going, this doesn't, this is, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things wrong here. But it's amazing when, even, and I'm a sports fan, when teams are down, the coach doesn't go, well, well here, we're going to do this and, and we're going to change this plan and this, that we're going to, you know, here's stra- here's, here's a bunch of strategy. The coach just goes, let's go get a bucket guys. If we're playing basketball, let's just go score and maybe we'll run off six or seven points and get back into the game. Exactly. Why do you feel like, why do you think or believe encouragement is not more readily taught and practiced among leaders. I'd love to get your I thoughts think, around that. I think the company culture has to allow for it, it has to be the norm. Um, I also think uh, it's difference between male, male and female leaders. So, for example, get on the same page, people, it's 2020, you know. <laughs> So they, they, I actually read about the study recently and it was saying that um, that w- we feel the same, men and female, male and female, we know we do both feel the same level of emotions and things. It's just that women share it more. So somehow we've taken this to be a bad thing, but then there's also other studies out there that show that if you encourage your people and show appreciation, just appreciate them, then that massively improves productivity across everyone. So... You know, I feel like it starts with the culture first. I, I also feel to say, you know, okay, well, I've decided I want to bring more appreciation into my team and I want to be able to have deeper communication. Well, you've got to set it up so it's easy. So, for example, you know, if you're going to be given feedback and you should be given feedback all the time if you're doing it right, 
if you make a habit of doing it all the time, whether it's good, bad, bad, and deliver it in the same way, then it holds the space for it to be acceptable with everyone without people fearing that moment. And then you're having this free-flowing conversation and then, you know, recognising some people have this talent and some people have that talent. And I just feel like everyone's keeping it all to themselves. And it's like this. If you start treating it all like family, then you'll do anything for your family. It's a (laughs) no-brainer. What was you going to say? No, 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 I love that. I want to jot that down. You'll do anything for your family. That is a hundred percent correct because exactly, Annie, I love what you said about, so I want to, I want to circle back to a couple of things that, that were mm-hmm. brilliant that you said. The first thing is the difference between male and female leaders in, in the female leader tends to share more. They tend to, to open up a little more. Uh, I guess men feel like, well, we, you know, caveman, you know, good. Yeah. And, and Yeah. You know, be, be the, the big, strong, tough, leader. But I love what you said about feedback. I love what you said about feedback because I tell people this all the time. I say there's a vast difference between value and appreciation. If I am going to give someone something, I want it to be valuable to them. I don't just want to give them feedback and say, oh, I appreciate you. Pat on the back. Attaboy. I mean, I can do that with anybody. But people that I value, I want to let them know, you know what? This is why you're so valuable to me. I think a lot of times. Even when it goes the other way too. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. When you're you're delivering bad things as well, you know, that's still valuable to them if you deliver it in the right way. You know, this was really, really, really great, Dan. If we can do a little bit of this as well, you know. No, you you, so you can be you can be appreciating and you can be tough at the same time. I don't believe they have to be separate. You, you, you know, this is what I think guys need to get more of is you can praise and still kick ass. You can deliver news valuably. I love that. And that's what I was writing down, delivering news valuably. Because everybody thinks, and I think a lot of times people think bad news is like, oh my gosh, you know. You know, well, we have to change, you know, there's two schools of thought, Annie. It's either just just hitting somebody in the face with bad news and going, here you go. And then just leaving and then just standing there trying to pick themselves up off the ground for what they just heard. Or they say, well, let me say, well, let me let me kind of tap dance around this. Let me put a good thing. Let me sandwich the bad thing. And let me put the good thing in there. And it's like, well, okay, now you're just creeping around the situation when it's probably more valuable to to give that person some bad news, but then to bring some encouragement behind it to soften the blow. It's almost like we have to do one or the other. So I'm going to ask you this. How do great leaders, high-performing people, deliver bad news valuably? Well, it depends on where, where, what your foundation is, right? If you're one of these, uh, if you've got your team set up whereby everyone is having that open dialogue, then it's all good. Listen, guys, we're really going to have to dig deep this time because this has happened. But if it comes from that place where we've all worked together and supported each other, that's not, that's not scary news, is it? Because nobody's first thought is, oh my goodness, what does this mean about me? I'm, it's all, I'm going to get pushed out. I'm going to lose this. 
and, and that's what I mean. It all depends on the foundation. And I feel like if we could just get everyone appreciating this strong foundation, thinking about in the long run, to take care of the whole, taking care of all the parts, what does that look like? We can just start there more than all these delivering bad news, good news. It just becomes a part of the norm where it's more safe to do so. And I think it's about that element yeah. of safety. Yeah. Well, and again, here's the thing too, and I love what you just said there. You said this, you know, open dialogue mm -hmm. is key. If you put everything out, on, and, and this was something my wife and I had to do years ago. She would get upset with me and she wouldn't talk to me. And I would say, I'm sorry, I love you. And she'd be like, all right. And I was like, look, no matter what, when one of us tells the other one, we love the, the other one, we're going to respond back. Right. I can be ticked off at you, but when you say, I love you, you're going to get, and that was something that we had to, and we had to get to that point in our marriage is like, look, if something's bothering you, you got to get it on the table now. Right. And, and yeah, it's not, it's led to, and my wife is a, a strong personality. I've, I'm a strong personality. Sometimes Annie, it, it results in knockdown drag out fights, not fist fights, but you know, the, the, the strong, I guess the strong disagreement is what I'll say, but we had to learn to, to stop hiding the things that were bothering us and just going, okay, in the moment, like, okay, I don't care if it's 30 seconds after you did something I didn't like, I'm going to tell you right then and there and not let it fester. And for us, it, for us, it's been good because we both had to learn that lesson. My wife had to learn that lesson because she was one that just kind of kept stuff in. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to share this. I'm going to keep it in. I'm like, no, that's not fair to me that I don't know what's going on. And I'm, I'm just kind of skipping along and I think everything's cool and, and you're upset. And so for us, we really had to learn to get those things on the table quickly to address and bury. Let me go here for just a second and then we'll pivot to another part of our conversation. Do high performers have trouble addressing and burying, or is that a strength for a lot of high performing? Can you say that again? Sorry. Yeah. The, the skill of address and bury, you know, other, we're going to bur or bury or, you know, however we say bury here, like it's a, like it's bury. a fruit. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, but, uh, but the way I would say it is, and if you're watching on YouTube, addressing a situation and then burying it into the ground and not bringing it back up again. How important is that skill for high-performing leaders? I think address it, address it in the right way. Hold the space. If, if you don't hold the space to get feedback on what you're saying, then you only know part of the story. How can you make different decisions from that? However, as the leader, you can put a stop on when that moment is. But you still got to hold the space for it. And you also have to, have to have it set up so that people feel comfortable being able to give a response, even when it may not fit into everything nice and pretty. Because again, if you don't, you're only getting part of the story. And then later down the track, you might not run into problems because you did indeed not have everything you need. But you do have to put a cap on when you're going to bury it. 
And I think that's the leader's point. It's, that's his job, isn't it? You know, we could do this, 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 but after this point, we've decided, done. Because otherwise, you know, where does it end? But you should also have a rule that you have to, if you've got something to say, you say it before that point. Otherwise, forever hold your peace, you know, <laughs> like in church. Well, you, yeah, and, and yeah, and, and again, to your point, and I love what you said there, and it reminds me that when you dig up something that's dead, it stinks, right? And so yeah. for a leader to continue to dig up something that that the team thought was buried and, and it was a dead mm -hmm. issue, mm -hmm. a leader can now all of a sudden people are going, wait a minute, it, it's a confidence eroder. It's, a, it's a, a trust eroder when a leader continues to bring something up like that. I, I really think it's unprofessional. Actually, I hear this complaint a lot um, that, you know, things are circulating around the room. I feel like, you know, when you get to a certain level, you should be too busy with your mind on the job to have any time to be doing any of that. And if you are doing that and you're still going around, you know, sowing little seeds, then you need some coaching. <laughs> because and, it says about you, not, not about the team. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, 100%, if, if, if that's you and you're listening to this podcast, I think Andy can help you with that. Let's step aside, take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Annie, I want to dive in to your book because it was such an interesting title. Achieve more, save time, master yourself. Right. So the book, the book, that's more my offering. The book itself was um, a collaboration with 30 other people, and it's called Successful Mind. And it really Successful is worth a read. See, I, bu I bungled this already. My apologies. Yeah. Successful Mind hey, it, it is the book. Don't worry about it. You just said what I did twice. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we try here on the Intentional Encourager <laughs> podcast. We... We listen, people are like, do you go back and edit this stuff out? No, I don't edit no. this stuff out because it's the beauty of having an organic conversation. Right. You're going to slip and trip and make it a couple of faux pas. Successful mind. I love that. Tell me where the genesis of that idea came from for you. It's actually um, a chap called Eric Severson. I believe that's how you say his name. If not, I'm sorry. I and like chap. You, you, you folks with with you, you Brits have that that chap and <laughs> and things like that. I'll tell you this though, believe it or not, and, and I love that we're talking like this because my last name is of 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 English descent, 
the last name Sexton is actually a caretaker mm -hmm. of the church mm -hmm. in England. Right. Yeah, they they work in the church. So I, I love this. But you said chap, and I was just like, oh, that is so good. Did you that see is... a bowler hat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a bowl, yeah, exactly. I should I should have worn one. I, I don't know <laughs> what I was what I was thinking there. But you wrote this with a, another co-author. So the 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 premise... thirty co-authors thirty. Good so it's, grief. It's like How did you do that? Well, this guy, I mean, he's the genius behind it. I just wrote my bit, you know, but it really is great because you get lots of different perspectives. So, for example, everything I've said today, there might be someone else, someone else out there saying something completely different, you know, and people come at it from all different angles. It's a great read. And actually, I think they're um, bringing out another one now um, to do with the body, you know, successful, successful body, something like that, successful health, I can't remember right now. But I'm actually going to get it because I want to hear what 30 people have to say from all their different angles. I, 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 I would like to I hear like the to successful, yeah, the successful body one or the successful house. I mean, it, right. you know, if you if you could come up with some good housekeeping cleaning tips, that would be <laughs> that would be that would be good. You know, how or or the one for the body, like how chocolate can actually be fuel to lose weight. You know, that would be. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, that, Where are those nuggets? <laughs> Where are those nuggets? Yes, yes. So tell me about your part in the book. What what would you, what did you have to offer in the book? Oh, in, I wrote in, a in chapter. The impetus for us. Yeah. I wrote a chapter on the, called the recipe for greatness because as far as I'm concerned, it's different for everyone. Everyone brings their own flavor, but there's you know some character traits you want to be successful, right? You know you're gonna have to be disciplined. Um, one thing, I really don't even know if I put this in the chapter, but just <laughs> amazingly, <laughs> the thing that I think should be in there is this appreciation thing, you know, appreciate it all, it's all a gift, and along your journey, the more you do that, the more you're going to enjoy the rewards, mm -hmm. you know, it's about being strategic, it's about being willing to make mistakes, and my chapter is all about that, just to rescue all these different parts you should put in. Mm -hmm. you know, and I used, I actually used this as a focus in my coaching as well. So, okay, here's you. What do you think you need? <laughs> what have we got missing? What do we need to add in? What do we need to take away? What's making it well, Let's go here for a second. I love what you just said there. You're talking about people don't like admitting when they make a mistake. That is, that is a human flaw that we have. We don't. There And there are some people that are like, I will never admit I'm wrong. I'll never admit I've made a mistake. I'll never admit this or that. I love what you said there about that philosophy and that concept. Let's go deeper a little bit on that. Why is it important for people to understand the power of admitting their mistake and, 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 and how it unlocks the recipe for greatness, because I would think that there'd be people that would say, well, and, and in my case, Annie, I've made a mountain of mistakes and there are some mistakes I never want to see again. I want go a little deeper there okay. on that, on that thought process. Yes, go ahead, so, please. Well, first of all, by embracing the fact that you're a perfectly imperfect human, you free yourself, you know, I encourage mistakes for myself because if I'm not making a mistake, then I'm not putting myself out there and therefore I'm dishonoring myself because I said I wanted to go on a mission. 
all right? But we are perfectly imperfect. And who's judging perfection anyway? You might think you cracked it, and the person next to you might think, well, he's an asshole, you know? It's all, it's all perception anyway. So as soon as you do that, you're freeing yourself. Also, your mind will use it against you if you do not indeed unpack the mistake. I really believe this, you know? There's lessons in it all, and our mind's just going to bring it up again, and it's going to bring it up again. Are you ready for it now? Are you ready to talk about it now? See, you did do that, didn't you? You know, why did you do it? So instead of keep having the same conversation in your head, you know, take pen to page. Okay, let me see. What did I do? How did I do it like that? What should I have done different? Who did I affect? Who do I need to forgive? What do I need to forgive myself for? How can I do it better next day, next time? And by doing that, then when your mind brings it up again, you can go already handled, free. Can I can I share something with you transparently? I have a big, like if if I get called out for making a mistake, whether it at work or 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 something, I I have to force myself to let that thing go. Or else I'll dwell on it. And even when I come back to it and it, exactly. it kind of bothers me, I still are like, let it go. Let it go. It's over with. It's done. And I don't know why, but subconsciously, my subconscious wants to keep bringing it back up. And it's been forgotten. There's been no repercussions. I mean, everything's good. But it's like my mind says, but that still bothers me. Right, but it's that because it's like it's trying to get you to answer that question, is it? What does it mean about you? So when that happens, I think that one of the, when you make a mistake, one of the first things you want to do is go screwed up again. There it is. Okay, what does that mean about me? That means that I was trying something new. Reframe it the way you want it. You know, as soon as it happens, what does that mean about me? You know, that means that I'm having a go. That means that next time I'm going to do it a little bit better. That means, and give it the meaning you want to give it. Because, that, you know, you, you ask a question, your mind's going to find an answer, right? So well, you, answers you want. You just said something there that, that I want to park on for just a minute. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this down. The power of I've screwed up again. For a lot of people, that can be discouraging. I, and, and, and I would I would push back and say, well, that's a little bit discouraging, but I see where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. I see. And, and in fact, that's actually an encouraging thing to tell yourself I've screwed up again because one, and, and this is how I, I read that, and that's why I wrote it down, the power of I've screwed up again. Where I, what I think I'm, what I'm sensing and hearing from, from you is, is, is that it's, it's like I've screwed up again, and the two words I would put behind that is, so what? Exactly. It's what you add on to it. Right. Oh, that means I must have done this. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, but, but the encouraging thing is, here's, here's what I wanted to go with the encouragement, Annie. The encouraging thing is, okay, I've screwed up before. Mm -hmm. I'll screw up again. It's not the first time. It won't be the last. And if this is the worst that happens, it's okay. And I'm still as awesome and worthy as I was the first day I was born. It's yes. just another experience. That's yes. it. I'm, I'm just adding more experience to my belt. That's all I'm doing. That's what we're here to do, right? Live. I love that. I, that and then and, and I had to write that. And, and I hope that was okay to write that down that way. The power yeah. of I've screwed up again. 
think it's the ultimate power. For me, I put yes. disclaimers out there before I start. Listen, I swear a lot. I can't believe I haven't done so far. I'm quite impressed with myself. So, you know, I put it out there. I'm going to say that, you know, I'm a little bit rough around the edges. And I, I can't there, believe you know. I've not sworn. That is the first time in 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 a hundred plus episodes I've ever heard someone say, I can't believe I haven't sworn by now. <laughs> I haven't. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. That is so good. That is so good. Oh, I love that. I mean, just you know. Own it. Who yeah. said you're meant to be perfect anyway? Who said that? No one said that. No one said exactly. that. Exactly. We were we were not born with with perfection. I mean, listen, as a Christian, the only two people that I ever remember that, that were, well, there, there are three. The first two were created Adam and Eve. So they weren't born. They were created. And then Jesus, because the Bible said he didn't, he didn't know any sin. He, He was perfect. He was born of a virgin. He was perfect. Those are the only people that I I can never remember being perfect. All the rest of us are flawed from the minute we're born. I don't think Jesus even thought he was perfect himself, did he? Well, he was what what he did was he connected with people and said, "Look, um let me help you understand what this is all about. You know, you're being taught this and, and it's what you're listen, in a lot of ways what you're talking about is, is it's okay when you make a mistake to say, I've made a mistake. We feel like at times, Annie, that if we, you know, if we have to own up to something in air quotes, that there's going to be huge ramifications from that. And so now we're just kind of bracing for impact. We're just kind of going, oh, oh, well, you know, oh, man, this is. And and I think people, to your point, I think people intentionally stress themselves over what they think the reaction is going to be instead of just going, you know what? Here's the thing. I made a mistake. Here's here's what I did. Here's what I should have done. In hindsight, if I could go back and change it, I would have done this. Right. But going and how forward, much does that mean to you when someone does that and takes that ownership? Yeah. And, and, and I, I also feel that, you know, to not give the people opportunity, you know, in life or in business, it's like you're stealing their growth. Who are you to decide how they're going to respond and whether they're dealing with it the right way or the wrong way? Give them the chance to do it themselves. You know, that's well, what relating is. <laughs> and here's the thing, too, in, in professionally, I've done this lately. I've said, look, I apologize for that mistake. Here's what I'm going to do going forward. And then when I, when I followed up with that person, I said, look, again, I want to thank you for pointing this out to me. And here's what I've done since then to correct that, that, that mistake, that behavior. And, and, and that there is a perfect response for businesses. So far as I'm concerned, what you just said then. Yeah. This is what, I'm going to own it. And this is how I'm, I'm tweaking it to make it better. Well, Annie, my dad always told me growing up, he said, if you say it, own it. Yeah. And, and my, yeah, absolutely. And, that's a great lesson. Yeah. My dad you know, said, if I'm you keep that for my kid. Yeah. My dad said, if you say it, own it. And, and even, even, you know, I was 40 when my dad died and even, even into my, even into my forties, my dad held me to things that I would say. Right. And I, I mean, I didn't live at home. Yeah. I'd been married 
was trying to think when, when my dad, I'd been married 16 years when my dad, when my dad passed. And so I hadn't lived in his home for 16 years, but my dad still held me to that standard of. But sounds like he was an authentic guy. He was. Yeah, he was an authentic mm -hmm. guy. But, but again, my dad was very quick. And, and I'll say this too. And, I, and, and it all just perfectly ties into what you're saying. My dad's philosophy was I'm going to correct. Or when I was a kid, I, when I would get spanking, yes, I got to spank. I got spanked when I was a kid. Didn't, didn't kill me. But my dad, when he would administer the punishment, it would be over. At that moment, it, it, you know, five minutes later, it was over. And I learned the, the power of moving on past something. I learned that. And so I'm, I'm kind of the same way with my son. I, I may, I may say something or my wife, we have a disagreement. Okay. I, I've said what I've said my piece. It's over. Right. Once we, once we apologize, it's over. Let me, let me say, let me ask you one more question. Then we'll pivot to your story. What's the one thing that we can do as people and as leaders to move past life long mistakes. So in other words, there's something big in our past that continues to haunt us, that continues to just keep creeping up. How do we finally move on from a lifelong mistake? Carve out a chunk of time and take pen to paper and go deep and do not stop asking questions until you've learned everything you need to know, know who you need to forgive, what you need to forgive for, What's the lessons and how would you do it differently? Why did it happen? If it's something you do repeatedly, at which point is the trigger that sets it all off? How do you know? And then just keep asking yourself, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Is there anything else? And, Ted, and when it's all done and you feel like you've drained it all, then you put it to bed. Go past that, burn that piece of paper, like transform that energy and start over. But you've got to do the exercise because if you don't do the exercise, you can't then beat your mind up for saying, are you ready now? Are you ready now? Because that's what the mind does. It knows that you have something there that is giving you a little blockage. You know, emotional, it's an emotional thing. We like our thoughts and experiences are attached with emotion. So the way to heal the emotion is to heal the experience. And the way to heal the experience is to go back and face it. And don't do it from fear. You know, you've punished yourself enough by this point, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No one is asking you to take it to death. And if you don't, you know, then it's in your body and then your body gets sick and, you know, it comes this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Let's step aside, take a break. We'll come back here in just a moment on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector you've got to pick up a copy of people buy from people there are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector you can go to amazon and pick it up kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way or now available on audible 
And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me, and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email, and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Annie, I want to dive into your story. Your your story is powerful. It's incredible. I want to spend the next few minutes talking about your story. Take me as far back as you want to go from point A to today and just kind of tell your story, how you, how you got here. I'll give it to you in a nutshell. So it's a bit irregular. So I was always on social services at risk register. This is the register to watch your house because your house is a bad house. And um, I had a very crazy, crazy childhood. It's very violent. You know, my mom had five kids by the time she was 21. I'm the sixth. So, you know, you can imagine it's pretty crazy there. My dad's just a complete wrong in all ways. He's so wrong, I can't even tell you how wrong he is. And then at nine years old, um, went to church, came home, note on the door, go to your friends for lunch, went for my friends for lunch, came close, police came, took us, threw us in the van, took us to the other side of the city. Spent a few years in children's home, foster care. Uh, I've had nice foster parents, but you know, I was already screwed up by that point. Because uh, you know, that stuff, it, it damages you and everyone differently, but it damages you somehow. And then um, left home when I was 16, picked a course that meant I could leave home. And I picked this college course so that I could start, you know, in the fall. And within six weeks, I'd met a guy, followed the first house that came along. <laughs> A complete train wreck. Um, just did way, way too many drugs for a lot of years. And I was a very, very unhappy person. You know, I was like, you know, high and I wouldn't even speak. I was that depressed. And then one day, because this was going on and on and on, and I didn't believe it was right to kill yourself, and I thought to get like deeply punished for it. And I don't know what that looked like, and that was even terrifying. And then I had like um, a breakdown, breakthrough moment. And in that moment, all my pain left me. Basically, it was that I'd been asking all these questions all this time. You know, what if it says, what about that? And nobody knows, and I'm hopeless, and I'm helpless, and it was just worse. So and you were 16 when you, don't let me interrupt you, but I've got to, mm -hmm. I've got to ask this. I want to kind of get some clarity around this. Yeah, a lot, you were, I know. <laughs> you, were, you were 16, mm -hmm. you leave home and start getting into some things you probably shouldn't have gotten into at 16. How old were you when you had this epiphany of, man, this is probably not the way I want the rest of my life. You said you started asking questions. How long of a gap did you have between 16 and this moment in your life? Um, I was about, it was about two years and it was, not so much asking questions, but it wasn't intentionally asking questions. It was just that they were there, you know, what does this mean about, why does this happen to me? This happened to me because of this, just that continuous beating myself, you know? And um, yeah, it went on for a couple of years and then, you know, throw drugs in there and come down in there, you know, violent boyfriend, it was just a big mess. So and when I you asked yourself, Annie, when you, and I, I, Please forgive me for interrupting. When you asked yourself, 
you said, why did these things always happen to me? What was the answer to your question? Did you ever, did you ever find an answer to that question of why did I, these things always happen to me? I thought it was, uh, cause you know, it got very complicated, as you know, with my, my family and things, the way violence went down, I was a bit of a pawn in the middle. So I had lots of ways to justify why this was my fault. You know, then I thought I was being punched by God. Then I thought it was a test. And then I thought it was because, you know, I was really unworthy. And if I just did this and if I got better at that, then it would, you know, they would stop. And I was always trying to do this, like, bartering. If I do this, 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 this. But I couldn't find a way out. I just couldn't. I was just lost in it. You know, like South Peter. I was also very, very shy. So I wouldn't talk to anyone or tell anyone. So then it's just, you know, nonstop, 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 you know? And you did you did you not I talk to anybody because to eighteen I had that, this, this I called it my moment. Mm -hmm. You I can I can only imagine why you wouldn't talk to anyone because you're trying to put myself in that position or think about that. You think they're going to, to think to your, you you think they're going to say, well, you know, you just need to deal with it or well, yeah, Wasn't because your that. family situation or things like that. Because a lot of times we, we just, when, when traumatic things like that happen, naturally it's just like, if I, if I can bury it back far enough, or if nobody finds out where I came from or what's happened to me, then it's all good. It's like, it will be like it never happened. Was that kind of how you felt? No. So like everyone, I think everyone knew because, you know, I was just a 16 year old roaming around on my own, you know, and everyone I was hanging out with was much older. So everyone knew there was like something wrong. But it was more of a case of like, why am I going to say anything? No one's going to care. No one's going to help me. No one gives a shit. It was one of those. It was just like, just don't bother saying anything. You're stuck here. This is it. This is it. For, this is it until you die. It's going to be just like this. Same shit, different day. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and again, you, you think to your, you know, I would have to think because I, I have a younger sister. I have a, I have a sister that's 17 years younger than I am. And her birth mother the way she ended up with our family was her birth mom got pregnant at 17 and basically was like, okay, I've got a kid who cares yeah. you take her. I don't want her. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of like, so now it's kind of like, okay. And, and so we're, we're, you know, through her life, we've dealt with different things because of her genetics showing up. Like all of a sudden, like, aha. And it's like, okay, I have to understand that she's not like my sister and I, because we have two totally different sets of genetics. And so, and that was something, you know, transparently, that was something that always frustrated my dad. He was like, I thought environment, I thought if we, if we just bombarded it with environment, that some of the genetic things wouldn't come to the surface. Yeah. And, and so my dad was kind of like that, that, that perplexed him. But it, I mean, my sister's doing fine now. She just, she's dealt with some things and it's like, look, you know, we all, we all have things in life that, that we deal with and things like that. What was the moment for you that became the greatest obstacle in that? Was there something else that happened that became a great obstacle and how did you like, overcome it? Uh, well, I had this like terrible moment one day, um, you know, with a, with a guy and, you know, we had a fight, and it's like, I hate you. And for some reason, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I had this terrible, terrible moment when I suddenly realized, oh, my God, here I am, the other end of the country, 
on my own and nobody loves me. And it was so ugh, like heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching. I think that was the beginning and the end um, because for a few months, for a few weeks, I just could not pull myself out that hopeless, hopeless, worthless. And I was all of those in abundance. But it, it really magnified from that moment because, you know, I was like suddenly there on my own and it was very, very real. And that, I thought that was it. There was no hope for me. There's no, see, when you're coming out of children's home and things, everyone sows the seed that you're going to be like your mother or you're going to be like your father. Our hopes for you aren't that high. You know, if you can do this, you know, it'd be good. So you leave them with that. So you're already waiting for it to be a disaster anyway. And then, it, so it is. <laughs> it's yeah. like, here it is. This is what it told me. And this is because of this. And I am this. And even though they did this, and it just never ends. It just goes on and on and on. If you could go back to that, Annie, right now, you right now, you could go back in time and you could find that Annie and you could put your arm around her. What would you say to her? What would I say to her? Uh, could it be the best thing that ever happened to you? Watch this space. <laughs> you know, I do. I do. I'm so grateful for it all because I guess it's my smarts. I know people very, very well. I can anticipate their thinking. I know how they're going to screw themselves over because I've done it from every which angle you can. And I, you know, from this, I also know that like people are magnificent and you can have, be, do whatever you're willing to work for and believe in yourself, you know? So I'd go back and I'd say, just forget I'm here. Keep doing the journey because it's all going to make perfect sense in the end. So you and then go pay it forward. <laughs> well, and and again, I love what you said there in the fact of keep doing what you're doing because a lot of people and I would go back and I would say, um, stop what you're doing because you're totally screwing it up and go this way because it's going to work out. Beautiful, mm -hmm. but you said, but I love what you said. Like, don't change a thing because it's going to make you the person that you are. And we I are love always that. in the right place, always, even when we're in the, the shit of it, we're still in the right place because that's where we find ourselves. If we we're meant to be somewhere else, we'll be somewhere else. You know, we're not all meant to have the same journey. That's why this whole perfection thing is all BS, you know, because there is no rules like that. It's just, you know, go do, go be, live and learn. You know, and if you don't live and learn and you must screw up again and again, at some point you will. <laughs> I love what you journey. said there. I love what you said there. Even, and this is what I wrote down. Even in the wrong place, you're in the right place. Right place. Always. Beautiful. Leave the audience today with your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Um, biggest piece of intentional encouragement. <sighs> know that you're perfectly imperfect. Have a dream, go after it. What are you waiting for? You know, and all along, appreciate it all and have a plan to pay it forward. Wow. Have a plan to pay it forward. Yeah, if you see me jotting that down, it, it's it's so good. I, I write these things down because I don't want to forget it. And 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 Annie, you have just this has been such good conversation. I've enjoyed this because. We're talking about different things. I mean, right? We're, we're talking about, nobody says, I've not heard anybody say, embrace your screw up. Embrace the fact I've, I've screwed up again. I, that's what I'm going to take away from this conversation is 
just say to yourself, okay, I screwed up again. Tell folks how they can get connected with you and how they can get some of your resources. Uh, well, I've got to say, I am a LinkedIn lover. I love it. That's the way I say, you know, know me more. Because I post on there, you know, I just post what I like, you know, because I'm perfectly imperfect. And if you don't like it, jog on. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> hopefully you will and we'll connect somehow. But if not, go stress on your own. <laughs> That's why you and I get along so well is, is I've taken the same philosophy. It's like, look, if, if, if you think me talking about intentional encouragement is a broken record, just wait, because I'm going to talk about it again. And I'm going to talk about it some more. I'm going to talk about it, you know, over and over because I, I don't, my philosophy is, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I control my conversation. And I love the fact that you're just you. You're just, you're just being your, your authentic self. Only way to be is be yourself. Absolutely. When else is already taken, right? That's right. Very good. Yes. What a way to end this conversation. Yes. Annie Salvador, connect with her on LinkedIn. And, and this has been so cool. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager Podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.